You know, I really learned something today. And that is that not enough national people know just how good Rashid Walker was in the second half of the year. We, uh, we got to work on that. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Lombardi Time Brews, where I'm your host, John Delray. Mock draft roundup today. It's been a couple weeks since we've done this last, so I decided I would survey, poke around the interwebs, and see what other people are thinking the Green Bay Packers will do with their first-round pick of the NFL Draft. Of course, few notable things here. One, the Combine kicks off this week, so a lot of these players are going to be undergoing some form of testing later this week that should tell us whether they're actually on the Packers' board or not. And then another off-topic piece of news. We're going to get to the Mock Draft Roundup in just a moment, but one thing that I did want to make sure that I covered today, Rob Domofsky kind of broke it in what was not a very big story, but yet nonetheless it was news. So he wrote a little write-up about the Packers' impending free agents and how, in amongst the lot of them being A.J. Dillon, Darnell Savage, Rudy Ford, Yash Nyman, etc., there isn't a must-sign free agent amongst the bunch for the Packers. But he included this little tidbit because I know a lot of people, including myself, have been wondering, with Halfley installed now as defensive coordinator, might the Packers give another chance to Darnell Savage? Well... According to Darnell Savage's agent, as broken in the story about Rob Domofsky, the Packers and Savage have not negotiated any type of contract since the season ended. Darnell is hoping that they can come up with a deal before the new league year begins and free agency officially kicks off, but nonetheless hasn't occurred yet. So I did want to make sure that I got that piece of news out there at the front. Now, let's get to the mock draft roundup. Like I said, been a couple weeks since we've done this, so I wanted to see what the thinking is now. See how things have maybe shifted as we head into the combine. It also should be noted that many of these individuals with these mock drafts are different individuals than the ones that I released a couple weeks ago, where the vast majority of them had them picking Cooper DeGene. It's a little bit different today, a little bit more diverse in the selections, and again, mostly different analysts. And also, if you're looking for like Todd McShay, Melka, they have yet to really release their mocks yet. So a few of these names are names that maybe aren't completely in the national consciousness yet. But with that being said, let's go back in time and let's go chronologically with the first one that I found. One of the first of 10 mock drafts going to be covered today. And that would be from Dan Pard, NFL.com. He has the Packers sticking a pick 25 and choosing Cooper DeGene. Of course, the secondary player from Iowa. And I call him that because no one's really sure at this juncture whether he would play cornerback or safety or just straight up all of them. As for why the Packers would pick him, Parr gave his rationale of versatile defender with knack for big plays. And he didn't say it. I'll add it. It's something the Packers could use. The next mock draft, number two, Daniel Jeremiah from NFL.com, one of the big wigs in the draft world. On February 20th, he put out his mock. He has the Packers sticking at pick 25, and I don't even need to change the graphic. Cooper DeGene, again, is the selection here. As for why, why should the Packers choose DeGene? Um, Daniel Jeremiah's infinite wisdom just said he feels like a Packer. You know, the thing is, he's not even wrong. <laughs> I think a lot of people are mocking this because it does indeed make a world of sense. As for the third mock draft that we're going to head to was published on February 21st. This one from Pro Football Network, published by Josea Caswell, one of their writers. And he said that the Packers should take T. 
Kyrian Arnold sticking at pick 25, the cornerback from Alabama. Now, I will just throw in my quick two cents here and that a lot of people believe that Arnold is going to be gone well before pick 25. You could say the same thing about DeGene too, but especially in the case of Arnold, a lot of people believe he's going to be long gone by the Packers pick at 25. Caswell obviously didn't feel the same way, and he says that Arnold bolsters significant production and is always making plays on the ball, citing five interceptions and 12 pass breakups last year. As for the next one, another one of Pro Football Network, this one published on February 22nd, and he actually has the Packers pulling off a little bit of a trade. So let me just explain that trade before I reveal the player. Ian Cummings is predicting that the Packers will trade pick 25 to the Miami Dolphins, and for shifting back just those few picks, the Dolphins will give them pick 29, pick 156, a 2025 third rounder coming by way of the Detroit Lions, and then a 2025 fourth rounder. So again, he's saying that the Packers could drop from 25 to 29 and pick up 156, a three and a four next year. As for who the Packers pick at 29, that would be Minnesota safety Tyler Newbin. And he's basically saying here that the Packers were aiming for Cooper Sheen, but since he's gone by 25, they opt to drop back, get some additional assets, and still wind up with a player perfect for Halfley's scheme. And the reason why is he says, quote, even without high-end long speed, Newbin serves as the perfect fit for Halfley's scheme with versatility, instincts, competitiveness, and playmaking. Next up, we've got Josh Edwards from CBS Sports. He published a mock on February 23rd. He has the Packers sticking at pick 25 and choosing Kool-Aid McKinstry, the Alabama cornerback. And basically his rationale, at least listed on the publication, is not so much about Kool-Aid himself, but rather about what the Packers have at corner. He asks whether the Packers will again have faith in former seventh round pick Carrington Valentine. Yes, they should. He also is asking, are they on the same page as Jair Alexander, given how the season went? Yes, they are. Regardless, though, my two cents says, hey, uh, uh, my number one target is still a corner. Valentine and Jair kind of irrelevant to the Packers need a corner. So nonetheless, I don't mind the pick of McKinstry from a pure coverage standpoint. Moving on to the next one, published on February 25th. This coming from the Packers beat itself. Writer for Sports Illustrated, Bill Huber. He is the Packers taking Ennis Rakestraw Jr. You know, just like I did in my last mock, although I did it a couple picks later. But the cornerback from Missouri. And why? He says Rakestraw is one of the top cornerbacks left. He's going to get after it in the run game. Huber does, however, cite concerns about Rakestraw's ball skills, saying that he only had one collegiate interception, and it came in a year, two years ago, where he also had 12 pass breakups. And frankly, I think that that's a legit concern with Rakestraw. I talked uh, not so much about like the ball stats, but the fact that he generally does make plays on the receivers themselves. It's part of the reason he's so good at press man, and he doesn't come up with a lot of interceptions. I will also say, though, that especially at the collegiate level, interceptions are fairly fluky. So whether that's a huge concern or not kind of depends on how valuable you view them. Nonetheless, Huber takes Rangestra. As for the next one, this one coming from Charlie Campbell of Walter Football. You know, I mentioned in the intro a little bit about Rashid Walker. Mm -hmm. You'll see why in the next few picks here. But Charlie Campbell of Walter Football published a mock on February 25th. 
and said that the Packers will be sticking at pick 25 and choosing that guy, Jordan Morgan, the big tackle from Arizona. As for the rationale, he basically says, fuck Terry's gone. This is now a long-term tackle for love. He's super athletic. No one doubts Morgan's quickness. However, Campbell did also note that Jordan Morgan is kind of a soft finisher. And he needs to get meaner in order to really excel in the NFL. As for the next mock, this one put out by Michael Middlehurst-Schwartz of USA Today. Uh, actually, USA Today. How pertinent it was put out earlier today. Uh, and again, choosing Jordan Morgan. And he's basically saying the Packers have the skill positions. Now take care of the line. More than likely a guard is, is what Morgan is going to be. But he at least has the traits to play left tackle. And so that's how he rationalized it <laughs> as for the next mock draft this one put out by former vikings general manager rick spielman on his podcast with the first pick podcast we just did this earlier today he has the packers choosing nate wiggins as for rationale it ain't deep he says packers traded razul they need a corner ha uh, yeah i mean pretty much Nate Wiggins, again, kind of like Darian Arnold, who we discussed earlier, is projected to go significantly earlier. Some people even view Wiggins as the top cornerback in this draft. I said some, not all, don't catch me on that. But some people do view Wiggins as the top. And I got to say, if Wiggins happens to fall to 25, that's one that I'm personally thrilled with. He's expected to run very, very fast at the combine. Rumors of certainly in the 4-3 type range. It's believed he can play both man and zone he could be a home run pick at the cornerback position. And then the last mock that we are going to be discussing was put out on NFL.com. This one by Gennaro Felice uh, released earlier today has the Packers sticking a pick 25 and choosing Kingsley Suamathia, the big tackle from BYU. And in the rationale, he says, while he's not as polished as his cousin, Penny Sewell, he has athleticism and violence to thrive at left tackle or right tackle, and he would immediately be the Packers' swing tackle. So now that we covered the 10 mock drafts, I do just briefly want to give my thoughts on them. Basically, my top priority, I haven't been quiet about it, has been adding a new premium talent, a new high-end operator to the Packers' secondary. I think realistically, given how a lot of the draft process has gone this year, you probably are going to be able to nab one of the upper echelon safeties, probably in round two. Now, a lot of this could wildly change following the combine and testing and all that. But if you were to tell me that they choose Nubin at pick 25, am I, am I upset? No, not at all. Maybe they could have gotten him in round two, but regardless, they got to help out that secondary. The way that I've been operating a lot of the prep is really cornerback first. And this seems to be the right year to do it. This isn't an incredible year for free agents at corner. Even if it were an incredible year, the Packers financially probably aren't going to dive into top end cornerback money. They've got their top end really expensive corner in Jair. So if they're looking to add talent to that room because they've got questions about Eric Stokes's health, Alexander's shoulders, Valentine continuing to produce the, if they have those questions, then the draft makes a lot of sense. And I view corner as one of their top needs. So nab a corner of the corners chosen in amongst these top, uh, in amongst these 10 mocks, I'd be thrilled with Cooper to Gene or Arnold. 
McKinstry, yeah, there's a couple concerns. Some people view him better at zone. There's questions about his long end speed, but I also don't think that it would be a bad pick at all. Rakestraw, I just talked in my mock about how much I liked him. And then, of course, Wiggins makes a ton of sense for the Packers if he's there. But looking at the safety spot, yeah, can you get it in round two? Probably. But not going to be upset with it either. But the offensive line. In my mind, this is not the right time for the Packers to pursue offensive line in round one. They absolutely might. They totally might. Watch them pick a tackle that no one's ever heard of. It would be such a Packer thing to do. And then have him like go out and have a Hall of Fame career. But realistically, I just think you've got Walker, who performed so well over the second half of the last part of this year. And Brian Goodigan's talked in his end-of-year press conference about the fact that Walker could play left tackle or right tackle. You've got Zach Tom, who we know can play left tackle or right tackle. Finishing most metrics is like a top five, six right tackle this year. Plus, he's got the versatility to kick inside. You also have David Bakhtiari, who, look, I've gone over this a lot in my head. And I know like this is incredibly, some people are going to just asininely disagree with this, or I shouldn't say asininely, just violently disagree with this. I don't mind giving Bakhtiari one more year at a revised contract. Okay, look, if you're looking for precedent, Tyron Smith, the long-term left tackle of the Dallas Cowboys, Go look. I know his injury situation was different, but he also had three years. He played in a total of 17 games over three years. Bakhtiari's done 13. Well, coming out of those three injury-riddled years, he finally was feeling healthy. Now he's in his early 30s. And this last year took a revised deal down to $6 million to keep being the left tackle for the Cowboys. If Bakhtiari's willing to do something like that, yeah, I'm hanging on to Bakhtiari, assuming that that knee looks promising. It still is a cap reduction of $14 million. So, I mean, and and I will say too, Bakhtiari, for the first time, realistically, it may be a good idea for him to accept a revision or a cut like that. I know some disagree with that. I just engaged with another very intelligent backer person on Twitter the other day about this, who feels that Bakhtiari would still garner more money on free agency. I don't know about that. But so regardless... I just don't see the need for offensive line in round one this year. I could be talked into it, especially for someone like Kingsley Suamathia in round two or three, especially given the fact that they have, as of right now, five top 100 picks. But one other tidbit, too, that I'll just throw out there before I close. Rob Domofsky also noted in his free agency preview article that just dropped today, said that the Packers would more than likely prefer to keep the right guard position cheaper than what Runyon will earn in free agency, and he is projected to earn 4 to $6 million. I think that that tells you that the Packers aren't going to go free agent shopping in order to plug that hole. It's maybe Sean Ryan and company. But even then, I'm probably getting my offensive lineman from a little bit later, at least not round one. Thanks so much for joining me here on the Barney Time Brews. On Wednesday, 4 o'clock Lambo time, will be a live show, live Q&A. We can all hang out together. And then, yes, as I have been announcing, I just want to make people aware. I'm not trying to dwell on it. I just want to make people aware. After Wednesday, on Thursday, I am getting procedure done. I am not going to be able to talk for a little while, which is problematic for what I do. 
Yes, Mick, I've seen the suggestion. <laughs> Maybe we'll just have Claudia sit here and I'll write down post-its for her to repeat. But uh, it, it will be a little bit of time before you see me again as I heal and uh, and regain the ability to speak and do this for you. So uh, Wednesday, live show, 4 o'clock then. It'll be a little bit before you see me again. So do hope everyone out there is doing well. I will see you Wednesday for the live show. And as always, go back, go.